0: Please pray with me, Lord God, you have given us this amazing and awesome opportunity to come into your presence here. Lord God, we come before your presence humbly, knowing that we're not worthy, but that through the blood of your son, our savior, Jesus Christ, we have been made clean and made worthy to come before you. Lord God, speak to us today. Speak to us. Humble our hearts. Give us ears to hear what you are saying and hearts to receive them. Lord, give me your words, and may I be faithful in proclaiming them. May I be bold, as called, Lord, and humble. Help us, Lord, to be bold and humble in our pursuit of you. And may we be filled with your word, that we might be bearers of your truth and lights in our generation. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen please be seated. Morning! It is so splendid to see you all on this beautiful morning. Well, as many of you know, Tara and I, for our 20th anniversary, went on a long backpacking trip. Well, it was long for us, and it was her idea before anyone says, like, how dare you drag your wife on a long backpacking trip. No, she came up with the idea. She loves to backpack. And so we decided to hike the shortest section of the Pacific Crest Trail. It's only 38 and a half miles, right? So... Uh, it's in between the Donner Summit where uh, Interstate 80 crosses the Donner Summit and Sierra City, right? So we did that little stretch there and both of us like to backpack. And so we did a little research about how to make this effective and easy and simple because we didn't know the route very well. And so we found out that lots of people, when they do hike the Pacific Crest Trail, like the through hikers who are very serious about it, they try to get their packs down way below 30 pounds. Like 30 is the maximum they ever want to carry. And typically they're more in like the 20, some of them even like 15 pound range. And then, because of that, they try to hike 25 to 35 miles a day. Is that how you like to travel? (laughs) No, I like maybe by horse twenty-five or thirty-five miles, but no, that's what they do. So we were not gonna be going nearly that far, so we figured we didn't need to be nearly that stringent about how heavy our pack was. Nonetheless, we tried to pack wisely, but you know how things go. Right? I started packing about a week before I threw the essentials in my bag. I put my the tent in, my sleeping bag, my pad, um change of clothes, a jacket. And then throughout the following days, every time I'd walk by my pack, I'd think, well, maybe I'll throw an extra pair of socks in there, you know, and maybe a a set of long johns because it might get cold and maybe a raincoat because it might rain. You never know in the Sierras. And maybe this and maybe that and maybe a third way to light a fire in case of it. Right. Because two is not enough. By the end, by the time I was loading my backpack in the car to drive to the trailhead, my pack was probably pushing 50 pounds, (laughs) right? Because of all those just-in-case things, those things I might need or that would make the trip more comfortable or nice for us. Day one was fine. It was an easy day, nine miles, right? Just kind of up and over a few ridges, beautiful terrain. We had all day to do it. We ended the night that... Evening at a beautiful spot along a creek. It was it was ideal. Get up day two. put on the pack. How does the pack feel on day two? <laughs> Horrible. It was like an anchor, right? It wanted to be attached to the ground. It did not want to be on my back. And that day it was 12 miles, right? 12 miles of hauling that thing along. But then there was a moment of bliss at the end of the day. That moment was when I took it off, right? <laughs> took off the pack. Took it off. And then day three. Man, i it wasn't even an anchor on day three. It was like a curse, that backpack. I wanted to leave that thing on the side of the trail so many times. Because it hurt everywhere. My feet hurt, my back hurt, my shoulders ached, my neck was tight. Right everywhere it was. just felt uncomfortable. I wanted to be done with that pack. And I started to not enjoy the trail so much on day three because I had this like low level and increasing pain that was just kind of everywhere. And so I couldn't really pay attention to all the beautiful things. It was even worse for Tara whose feet were covered in blisters at that point, right? So yeah, it was bad. And so I couldn't even complain to her, (laughs) right? That was one of the worst things is I had to keep my mouth shut about my misery because I'm like, my shoulders hurt. And she's like, my feet are bleeding, right? (laughs) So, but the weight of my pack, right? The weight, all that stuff I thought would comfort me on the trail and make it a nice trip. It actually made it hard. It made it more difficult and less pleasant for the majority of the day. Carrying that stuff around made my life difficult. Now in our gospel passage for today, Mark recounts the story of a young man. And this guy uh, comes in, comes up to Jesus right as Jesus is leaving on a journey, right as he's preparing to leave on a journey. So he runs up to Jesus and he kneels before him and he asks, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is the question everyone wants to be asked, right? We all would love it if our friend ran up to us and said, good friend, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Right. That's like the million dollar question right? the one we yearn to be able to answer for someone and to lead them into relationship with Jesus. But Jesus kind of plays around with them a little bit, like talking about who's good but God and all kind of tongue in cheek because he is God. And and then he begins to list off the commandments. Why? I mean, is he playing to the common conceptions at the time that by obedience to the law, one could be saved or is it to point out something he discerns about this man, maybe to uh, some character flaw or something? Or is it just to lead us to the next challenge that he will present, kind of to pave the way to that? We're not entirely certain, um, because this guy seems to be completely confident about his law obedience. He says, teacher, I've kept all these since my youth. How many of you could stand up and say that? I don't know, not a whole lot of takers, are there? I haven't had a single taker all through this day that's telling me something. Because this guy is different than me. I wouldn't be able to answer that. Oh, yes, I've always honored my father and mother. Yeah, right. I'm pretty sure as soon as I could speak, I messed that one up. And even before that, as soon as my feet could carry me somewhere, they were carrying me away from them. Now, at this point in our narrative, Jesus doesn't dwell on the law anymore. Instead, he goes deep. He goes deep with this man. And in this most beautiful and profound statement, we have Jesus looking at him, loved him, loved him. He loved him and he loved him so much that he tells him the next thing. He loved him so much he couldn't just leave him exactly where he was. He needed to challenge him. And so he said, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you go, sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. The same invitation to come and to be a disciple, but with a challenge to give up everything, give up absolutely everything and throw himself to the mercy of the Lord. This is more, though, than this young man can handle. It's just too much for him. The passage tells us, when he heard this, he was shocked. He was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. He can't do this because of what he has. He has too much to give it to God. Too much. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? Because if you think about, like, so me thinking in my life, if Jesus came and asked me this when I was in college, would this have been hard? no right all my stuff fit in my car that's all i had and so if i had to give up every bit of it would that have been that difficult no probably not what's that it's still yeah it still would be difficult as a reality right because i've deluded myself back then did that stuff matter to me it sure did that was all i had that was all i had but today right if he asked me this question today would that be easy or hard but it would still be difficult, just like for a college student, right? So we, but we in, the, in our human lives, I think, begin to think that the more I have, the harder it is to get rid of it. But everything is still everything, isn't it? All your possessions, even if they're a lot or a little, are all your possessions. That's all you have. That's your safety net. That's your, what you can trust in. That's what you have. This man was challenged, this man was challenged by Jesus to give it all up. To give it all up. And he was shocked. He was shocked that Jesus would ask that of him. But he was not the only one shocked that day. The disciples as well were thrown for a loop. They were gobsmacked that Jesus had said this. They're wondering why he's doing it. What is Jesus up to? I mean, here's this wealthy, virtuous, young man. Did I mention he's wealthy? Right? Who desires to follow God and inherit eternal life. And he wants to be a disciple and he would be a great addition to the core of disciples, right? Because he would have a lot of influence. He probably knows influential people. He's probably, you know, like he'd be great sitting in the pew. People would want to come and meet him. Maybe he could start a young adult program, (laughs) right? This is the kind of guy you want. What is Jesus doing? turning this guy away by asking something so hard of him. Couldn't he have set the bar low and then slowly raised it over time? But Jesus doesn't. He challenges him with something very difficult, something impossible. And this man does not go on the journey with Jesus. We know where this journey took Jesus, don't we? We know that this this journey... Ended ended, at Golgotha. Ended on Calvary with Jesus carrying a weight. And he needed his shoulders to be cleared so that he could carry this weight. Couldn't be carrying a big pack too. Couldn't be hauling along all the world's possessions. No, Jesus needed room on his shoulders for that cross. And for the weight of the sins of the world. And so did his disciples. They needed to be prepared to carry their cross as well. And so Jesus warns his disciples about the dangers of wealth. He says how hard it will be. How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, the only way for it to happen is through the grace of God. Now, okay, this this begs the question, what is wealth? Health? Yeah, that's absolutely something. Lots of money. Lots of money, that's right. And when does lots of money start? It obviously always starts at the level above us, doesn't it? (laughs) At least that's how it is in my mind. Right? You know, when I was a college student, like wealth was being able to order pizza and not worry if I had enough to tip in my pocket, right? (laughs) Then I became a poor soldier. Right. And wealth was raised a little bit because I had steady income at least. Right. And that changed a little bit. And then I got another job and and wealth changed a little bit. Right. But it always was something maybe a step above, maybe two or three steps above, but somewhere just up there. Right. Other people had it, but I didn't. Wealth was elusive. But if I was looking at my life, say um, somebody from like Sri Lanka had come over and looked at my life. What would they think? Yeah, right? What would they think of us? Yeah, I mean, most of us had some means of conveyance to get here this morning. Most of us came from a house or an apartment or a place. And how many people shared that, that place? with How many families live in your house? Right? You know, those are interesting questions to think about. Because in our Western view, in our isolated Minds, we can always just compare ourselves to other people and say, well, I'm obviously not wealthy because that person is or this other person is or whatever it happens to be. But in an international or global perspective, sure, we fit in this group. And so Jesus's words should challenge us how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And then Jesus ratchets it up and he says, it's not only hard for mortals, it is impossible It is impossible, but not for God, for God, all things are possible. Now, hiking on that trail, I realized that the things I was carrying were making my life miserable. The things that I had brought to provide comfort and security for me were not making me comfortable at all. They were instead making making the time not a joyful time. Although I had a great time on the hike, when I put that pack on, there was no joy in my heart. There was remorse that was carrying that weight. I hurt and I was going slow because of what was on my back. I couldn't go for the 25 to 35 miles like those people do who, who train and do this for months on end. And even if that was possible with that weight, I didn't want to go that far. And so I wasn't ready for the journey. I wasn't equipped for it because of what I was trying to carry. You see, the reality is that wealth is like that in our lives too, or can be. It can become a tremendous burden that we become controlled by what's in our pack, by what's on our shoulders, by what's in our 401k or what's in our retirement fund or what's in our garage. Right, One of the things I've got to watch growing up in Nevada County is the proliferation of storage sheds or storage areas, self-storage units. Those didn't exist when I was a kid here. Not in the same number. There were a couple of them. Now they're all over the place. Why is that? Everybody has stuff and we're willing to pay to store our stuff somewhere else too. Right? It comes with weight upon us. A weight, a monthly bill, it might be for a storage unit, right? The weight is there. And if we're going to journey with Christ, the more we're trying to carry, the more it's going to get in the way of our following, the more it's going to weigh us down. And ultimately, as a disciple of Christ, what do we need to be prepared to carry? The cross. A cross. If you want to be my disciples then take up your cross and follow me. And if you got a backpack full of junk already, it's awfully hard to carry across. This reading from Mark reminds us of this shocking reality. Shocking reality. The reality is, is that everything that's been entrusted to us belongs to God. It is all His. And so do we feel stuck in our efforts to grow close to Christ? Do we feel burdened down, weighed down in our life, uncertain, full of anxiety? Listen to the voice of Christ calling for us to give it away, to lay it down and to follow him, to be his disciple. Do we stay awake, stay awake at night worrying about money, about finances? May we give it to God and trust in him. Now, Jesus Christ called this man to give away everything and to follow him. That principle, surprisingly, has not been lived out by many people in this world. Right There's not a long list of, of people who are, have done that for obvious reasons. Right? It becomes quite difficult. But even without becoming poor like someone like St. Francis was willing to do, we can turn over all that we have to the Lord. And we can entrust a portion of what he's given to us, to the church. And everything else we can entrust to him for his purposes and his will. What would it look like? If we in our lives said, God, everything I have is yours, everything I have is yours. If you call me to give it up for you, I will. How can all that you've entrusted to me be entrusted back to you? What does that look like in my life? The answer is going to look different. God calls us to radical things. I know what his call looks like in my life. What does his call look like in your life? It might be to this radical giving up of everything and following Jesus like that. It might be to serving someone else, caring for another person. It might be to mission work. It might be to, I don't know what it happens to be, caring for someone who's hurting. But may we be listening, listening to the call of Jesus Christ. Because there's one thing in this lesson that's very reassuring, is that when God calls us to something great, He calls us because he loves us. May we throw our hands into his, may we throw our lives into his loving hands and entrust ourselves to him. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for being the God who loves, the God who looks at us, who knows us, who knows what we need and what we don't need. Lord, speak into our lives. You're the only one who can. Lord God, the world tells us to acquire, to build, and to keep stuff for ourselves. Lord, and to find our security in what we have. Help us, Lord God, to live in a contrary manner, to find our security not in what the world offers, but in you. Lord God, this is scary. This is a scary word you say to us today, Lord, but help us to be reoriented. Help us to be delivered from the bondage of wealth. Lord God, to give faithfully to you and to entrust our lives and all that you've entrusted to us, to give it back to you, Lord. Help us to be faithful in this world wherever we might find ourselves and in whatever ministry we we find ourselves called to, Lord. Help us to be faithful and to serve you with joy and peace in our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.